steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will you trust with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At first glance, it would seem that we could sum up the theme of today's readings with the adage, money is the root of all evil. But it, money is not the problem. It's greed. Greed is the problem. The definition of greed, a strong desire to continually get more of something, especially money. Greed drives a person to focus solely on the attainment of whatever it is that they want, setting aside all other things and all other relationships, relationships with their family, with their God. Greed is truly the root of all evil, would be a better way of putting it. And in today's first reading, we see how greed is manifested. The prophet Amos is speaking on God's behalf, and he is listing a whole litany of greed. He is speaking of those merchants that are counting the hours during the Sabbath when the Sabbath will be over, 
so that they can begin their trade because it is unlawful to do so during the Sabbath hours. They are not focused on God during that Sabbath day of rest. They're focused on how quickly it will go by so they can continue to earn. And then, of course, it talks about, it talks about changing the weights. Business was transacted with scales, either measuring out what, the, what money someone would get or the actual produce that they would sell. And it's talking about them shaving off some of those weights so that they weren't true weights, and in this way trying to enrich their pockets. And then, of course, and then, of course, the last one talks about even the refuse of the wheat they sell. What is that referring to? Well, when one harvests their field, say, of wheat, they are supposed to leave the edges alone. They are not to harvest that. And that is then allowed to be used by the poor people who have no means of feeding their family they can go and glean that wheat to feed their own family. That's where we get the term gleaners from. But Amos is calling out those people that would even harvest even that much of their field just to increase their profit just a little more. This is the greed that God is tracking of those people. This is the greed that he is saying, never will I forget a thing they have done. We move on to the gospel. And I will admit, this gospel is puzzling. Jesus seems to be praising a man who is cheating his master. So let's set the stage really quick, shall we? So the steward has been fired. His master has heard that he has been squandering, probably keeping a little more of his master's property for himself. And so he tells him, you're no longer going to be my steward. Make an accounting of yourself before you leave. And so he goes into whatever little room or whatever he has with all the master's books, and he, and he starts calling in some of the master's debtors. And he calls in the first and says, tear up this promissory note and write one for half of it. Only 50 measures of olive oil instead of the 100 that you owed. And then he does the same with the, with the one who owed so much wheat. And the master is pleased. Why is that? Well, the important thing to remember is more important than money in their society is honor. Because now all of a sudden, the master is held in greater esteem in his community because he has shown generosity. The people that have now had their debt, lowered, now has an unexpected windfall. And so they are happy. 
And of course, the steward now has some people that are going to be in his debt so that when he finally leaves that position, he'll be able to rely on their generosity. A win-win-win situation. And what Jesus is saying is, I wish my disciples were that shrewd about following me. I wish my disciples would concentrate that much energy on their relationship with me. That's the problem with greed. It sets aside what should be the most important relationship in our life, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, into second, third, fourth, fifth place. And instead, allowing things like the pursuit of wealth, of things, of power, to be the number one even to the detriment of other relationships in our lives. Jesus wants all of us. Jesus wants us to be completely His. And when we allow other things to get in the way, we are falling short of His desire for each and every one of us. This is what I mean when I talk about conversion of heart. Our hearts are saying that, well, we'll give Jesus a little bit of time, but we want to focus primarily on this, or this relationship, or that. Conversion of heart means turning our heart to Jesus, moving Him up the priority list, so that we are focusing on the One who died for our salvation on the one who offers us the gift of eternal life in heaven. That is where our focus should be. But conversion of heart first requires an examination. We need to do an honest examination of our hearts. What is exciting us? What is taking up our time? What is our priorities in our lives. And if we do an honest examination of that, I dare say all of us will find Jesus is not at the top of that list. Once we have determined that, then we can start to make some changes in our lives to slowly and surely move him up into that priority list. My dear friends, every time we come together to celebrate the Eucharist, we participate in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We participate in that great act of love where Jesus gave everything, including his very life for our salvation. He would love for us to be able to say that we do the same. But unfortunately, we fall short time and time again. But luckily for us, he is not going to give up to us. There is a prayer that says, his patience is directed towards our salvation. Time and time again, he will offer us mercy and the grace that flows from that sacrifice on the cross, 
He will be infinitely patient with us because he loves us and he wants us to join him for all eternity in heaven. This is the Savior that we have chosen to follow. This is the Savior who we can look to when we find ourselves so consumed by other areas of our life and ask him for his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. This is the Savior who loves us. That is why we come together and give thanks to God for the gift of his son Jesus, the most important person in our lives.